Okay, get your Bibles and let's all go to the book of John and let's agree together for utterance, for revelation, for the anointing, and for the moving of the Spirit. Not just off in the future sometime. Here. Now. How many believe God is the great I I will be soon? Huh? The great I was. (laughs) No. No. He's the what? The great I am. I am is here and now. Right? In John the uh, 14th chapter. Let's look at our text that we've looked at previously. John chapter 14 and 16. Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. I heard somebody say one time about the Holy Spirit. They said, what is it? Well, first of all, He is not an it. Right? He is a person. Verse 17. He is the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it sees him not. Neither knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you. And shall be in you. Somebody say thank you Lord. For the Holy Spirit. In verse 26. Notice this. He said but the comforter. Which is the Holy Ghost. Ghost is an old English word for spirit. The Holy Spirit. Whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said to you. The God's Word translation says it like this, verse 26. He will teach you everything and He will remind you of everything that I have ever told you. Don't talk about getting old and becoming forgetful. Those words are stout against what the Lord has said here. Your mind is not your brain. Your mind never has to age. Your brain is just the physical organ that your mind expresses itself into this world through. If your body was dead and buried, you'd have your mind. That wouldn't be changed. It'd just be unhindered. There is no limit to what you can learn with your mind. It is a part of your eternal being. I said there is no limit To what you can learn. And what you can understand. And what you can remember. Sometimes people think. Well you know. They crammed for an exam. At school or or whatever. And they thought. Man I feel like I got information. In every one of these brain cells. And and I don't know. You know. They say we don't use all our brain cells. Your mind is not a brain cell. Your mind is unlimited. And we not only. Has God given us this. But he's given us the Holy Spirit to bring to our remembrance and remind us of everything he ever said to us. 
So that's what we should be saying instead of, well, I guess I'm getting old and forgetful. That's like unbelievers talk. You need to say, I have the mind of Christ. I have a sound mind. The Spirit of God reminds me of everything. Everything the Lord has said to me. He leads me into all the truth. He teaches me everything I need to know. I have the unction of the Holy One. And I know everything I need to know. Function by the unction. Huh? Flowing by the knowing. (laughs) Go to the 16th chapter, please. 16 and verse 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all the truth. If you know the truth in a situation, you know what's right. If you know what's right, by contrast, you know what's wrong. In any situation you find yourself in, and it seems confusing, just back up and say, okay, thank you, Lord, For showing me the truth by your Holy Spirit. You told me you would. And I'm looking for it right now. And even when you don't know yet. You begin to say it out loud. The Holy Spirit will guide me into the truth. He will guide me into exactly what's right about this. And cause me to see it and know it clearly. But if you bite your nails and you go. I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I've prayed and I just can't seem to hear. And I just don't know. Your words are contrary to his words. He didn't say you can't hear. He said my sheep. Know my voice. And a stranger's voice. They won't follow. The biggest problem is not knowing. The biggest problem is right under the nose. The mouth. He will guide you into all the truth. How many believe if the Lord said this, you could count on this? What else will he do? He'll not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that's what he'll speak. And he will do what? Show you things to come. Now this is not just for prophets. This is for every believer. Now there's some elements that would work in the ministry of others that's different. But every believer can have a manifestation of this. There can be situations where he just calls you to know what's going to happen. That doesn't necessarily mean you heard a voice or you saw a vision. You just know inside you which way this is going to go and how this is going to turn out. And if somebody asks you, how would you know that? Man, you're smart. And you go, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. I have help. <laughs> you have help? Yep. I got help. I have major help. Who helped you? (laughs) The helper, capital T, capital H, helped me. The helper Jesus talks about. He leads me into all the truth. He brings everything to my remembrance. I need to see and know and remember. He causes me to know. He shows me things to come. Everybody said out loud. He shows me things to come. Don't get spooky about it. You don't have to get weird about it. Just realize that you can be in a situation and all at once, you just know where this is going. You just know how this, you didn't figure it out. You didn't analyze it. You didn't reason it out. You just know it. How would you know it? He revealed it to you. He just caused you to know it. 
He'll glorify me. He'll receive of mine and show it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore said I, he'll take of mine and show it to you. Now go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, because in this chapter we see the manifestations of the Spirit, and these are an expounding of the ways the Holy Spirit helps us. We see here some specific ways that He helps us, but the ways He manifests Himself are also ways He helps us. How does He help us? How would he guide us into all the truth? How would he show us things to come? Another way of saying that is he'll give you a word of knowledge. He'll give you a word of wisdom. He'll take of mine and show it. Everybody say show it. If he shows you something, you see something. Right? That could have to do with discerning of spirits. And so these, even though they're not exactly the same words used, there's great overlap here because we're still talking about the helper and how he helps you and how he manifests himself. 1 Corinthians 12. Now, as we said before, beware of modern translations on 1 Corinthians 12. (laughs) So many of them just got it wrong. I'm sorry. But they did. And I think if you'll do a little study, you'll agree. A lot of them said what they thought it meant instead of translating what it said. And if you don't believe in the supernatural gifts of the Spirit and you try to make it say what you think it means, you're going to come up with some wild stuff. So I'm going to read this to you from Young's Literal Translation. He's the author of the Young's Concordance. And in my estimation, very accurate. Well, think, hear the name. Literal. Literal. And uh, if you can author a concordance, you ought to know a thing or two about the language. Don't you think? This is how he, he translates it in verse 7. To each has been given the manifestation of the Spirit for profit. The NIV says, for the common good. For to one through the Spirit has been given a word of wisdom. Very important that we say it just like it is in the Bible. You hear people say, well, God gave me the gift of wisdom. And they think they're referring to this passage. And it's just, they're talking, I don't know what they're talking about. But they're not talking about this. Nothing is mentioned Like a gift of wisdom. And these are not things you possess. These are things the Spirit of God can manifest to you and through you. A word of wisdom. Not a page. Not a paragraph. A. Somebody say a word. See this is even different from the King James isn't it? Not the. But it clarifies. That's exactly what we talked about this. If you weren't with us before, go online and get the previous lessons. Or if you're in the buildings, you can go out to the Word Supply and get a, a disc, a DVD or a CD. It won't cost you anything. But we went into detail talking about how the Spirit of God knows everything about everything. Well, He's not going to reveal everything He knows to you. You don't need that. But there will be times when you would need a word of knowledge. 
about something. It is a revelation of something in the mind of God. Word of wisdom is very similar. But wisdom has to do with the future. And wisdom has to do with the plan and purposes of God. And of course the Lord knows the end from the beginning. But he's not going to tell you everything about Uh, the future and everything about his plan. You don't need to know that. But there are times in your life when you need a word of it. And it's a revelation of wisdom to another. He said a word of wisdom to another word of knowledge according to the same spirit. Keep going. To another faith in the same spirit. To another gifts of healings in the same spirit. Keep going. Did you notice uh, that and the next phrase are both in the plural. Gifts, plural. Of healings, plural. That's accurate. To another, in workings of mighty deeds. We talked about that last week. King James calls it working of miracles. And both of them's in the plural. Workings of miracles. To another, discernings. Of spirits. Oftentimes you hear people say, you know, I've got the gift of discernment. And I suppose they think they're referring to this, but Bible mentions no such gift. This is a manifestation of discernings of spirits. We've already talked about this, so go look at the previous teachings if you're interested. To another, diverse kinds of tongues, to another, interpretation of tongues. Do you see how many times these words are plural? Do you believe that's significant? It is. Every one of these is. For instance, tongues. You hear people sometimes who don't believe in speaking in other tongues quote verses that they don't understand. And they say, well, you know, the Bible says, do all speak with tongues? And the obvious answer in that passage is no. People say, well, see there. God hasn't given that gift to everyone. That's a lack of understanding because the Bible also talks about you may all speak with tongues. Right? And that tongues is a sign that follows believers. It's a lack of understanding. I know of at least three different kinds of tongues as far as use and purpose. If you're talking about actual categories and kinds of tongues, the Bible talks about the tongues of men. It talks about the tongues of angels. You know, there's some languages in the earth. I heard one recently that, man, it didn't sound like a language to me. But the folks understood perfectly what they were saying. And how would we know what an angelic tongue sounds like? So what am I saying? You're not qualified to listen to yourself speak in tongues and decide if it sounds like a tongue or not. How would you know? Just because it doesn't sound like English or or Spanish or something that you know uh, doesn't mean it's not a tongue. But the Bible talks about uh, tongues that edify. It talks about tongues that are a sign And that's not everybody's going to be used in that. It talks about tongues for ministry. Not everybody's going to be used in that. But everybody could speak in a tongue to build up their self on their most holy faith. So there's no wonder that this chapter starts out by saying, I would not have you ignorant. (laughs) Because ignorance abounds. (laughs) Isn't it? And confusion abounds. Concerning this chapter and these chapters. And a lot of churches and groups just stay out of them. And I don't claim to know everything about it by a long shot. But I believe the Lord's given us some light and I'm believing for more. How about you? Believing for more. 
And if I believe if we walk in the light we have, we'll get more. Don't you? Go ahead and say it out loud to the Lord. Say, Father God, I want to know about this. Teach me about the gifts of your spirit. The manifestations of your spirit. Your diverse ministries and operations. I'm hungry to know. Show me any wrong thinking. Any ignorance. Thank you for leading us into the truth about all this. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you Lord. Expect an answer to that prayer. You can see these nine manifestations of the Spirit fall naturally into three categories. Three of them reveal something. Three of them do something. And three of them say something. The revelation ones are word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. All three of those reveal something or show something. And the ones that speak are obviously tongues, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. All three of those speak. And the ones that do something are workings of miracles, gifts of healings, and faith. Or as one translation says, special faith. We talked about workings of miracles last week. And I want to go on to this week to talk about gifts of healings. Gifts of healings. Are you interested? Go to the book of Acts, please. The book of Acts and the seventh chapter. If uh, your understanding of the manifestation of these is correct, you will be able to find examples of it. In the scriptures, particularly in the book of Acts, every one of these, you should be able to find specific instances where they were manifested. Because we got the same Holy Spirit, don't we, that they have? Same gospel, we're part of the same church, and we should have the same kind of things happening. In Acts 7, we see with the ministry of Stephen how that he... uh, God used him. And then we see the ministry of Philip in chapter 8, how God used him. And we see miracles and healings. How many believe again that we're part of the same church? Same Holy Spirit. And the scripture said that uh, in verse 5, Philip of chapter 8, 8, 5, Philip went down. To the city of Samaria. And did what? Preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord. Gave heed unto those things. Which Philip spoke. Hearing and seeing. The miracles. Which he did. For unclean spirits. Crying with a loud voice. Came out of many. That were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies. And that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Well, I guess so. Right? People delivered. People healed. 
What manifestation are we looking at tonight? Gifts, plural. Of what? Healings, plural. And this must be different in some regards from workings of miracles. Or elsewise he wouldn't have mentioned them separately. I believe we have right here in front of us an example of gifts of healings. Why a plurality? Gifts, plural, of healings, plural. Notice what it said concerning Philip. He preached the word, verse 7. Unclean spirits cried with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. Specific areas. Didn't say everybody with anything. It said many with this. Why? Paralyzed and lame, which is really in the same area, isn't it? Lameness and paralysis have some similarities. Why not blindness, deafness? Why didn't he mention that? Why gifts, plural, of healings, plural? Well, there's a many different areas that the body can have problems in. Right? And we know God's a healer, the healer, and we know it's his will. I mean, from the beginning, he revealed himself to Israel as the Lord who healeth thee. Didn't he? And he said, if you'll obey me and you'll keep my words, I'll take sickness out of the midst of you, and the number of your days I will fulfill. How many remember reading these? In Exodus 15, Exodus chapter 23, Deuteronomy 7, other places. The Psalm, the Psalm 103, he said, I, I'm the Lord. You know, I forgive all your iniquities. I heal all your diseases. Didn't he say it? So he is... Healer by covenant. Isn't he? We talked about, we referred to this a few moments ago. Nope, he's not the great I will be or the great I was. He's the great I am. Right? And if you look up that Exodus 15 where he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. That is one of these great uh, redemptive names. Jehovah. Anybody remember the other part of it? Rapha. And there are other compound redemptive names. Jehovah Shalom. Right? Jehovah Sidkenu. And every one of these is the great I am who does this. And who is this. And nobody would say, well, he used to be the great I am who's your shepherd, but no more. Nobody would say that that believes he used to be the Lord your righteousness but no more. Nobody would say that, would they? Used to be the Lord your peace but he's not anymore. He quit doing that. (laughs) Well who has a right to say he used to be the healer but something changed. No, he is and always will be 
the great I am, the Lord who healeth thee. Amen. Amen. And Jesus' ministry, so much of his earthly ministry for those three to four years was ministering healing to people, wasn't it? Have you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? I mean, how much of his ministry was ministering healing to people? Did he have to do that? He said, I only do what I see my father do. I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What does that mean? Everything Jesus said and did was a direct revelation of the unchanging will of God for all men, for all time. He never changed. When he said, I am the Lord did heal thee, when Jesus came on the scene, what do we see? The Lord did heals thee. What do you think he is now? He's never changed. He's never going to change. I am the Lord that healeth thee. And we know that the Bible talks about pray for one another that you may be healed. The Bible talks about call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint you with oil. We see the prayer of agreement. We see any number of things laying on hands. Why these variety of ways to receive? And here we see working of miracles and gifts of healings. What's all this for? I heard my father in the faith say this, Brother Kenneth Hagin, years ago. I don't know how to improve on it. He said, the Lord wants us healed so much that not only has he provided for it in redemption, but he's given us a variety of ways to get it to us, including things like this. Gifts of healings. Now you'll find that both this and special faith and working the miracles have this in common. Anybody can believe God for a miracle without any particular special manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible said all things are possible to him that believes. But God also does special things apart from that to help people, to make it easier on them, to help any way that he can. I want you to look at these folks. Philip's preaching, not to an established church. He's coming to some folk that don't know anything about Jesus. Where's their faith for healing? Non-existent, right? Faith comes by hearing. Have they heard about the healer? No. They've heard about false gods. They've heard about Diana and Baal and every other goofy thing. They haven't heard about Jesus. But he came and what did he preach? Come on, we read it already. What did he preach? Was it verse 6 or so? Put it up there for us. What did it say? 5? Verse 5? He went down to the city of Samaria and he preached what? He preached Christ to them. And the Lord gave something through uh, using Philip. In the area of some manifestations of the Holy Spirit whereby people were delivered and some people were healed in some specific areas. Right? And it didn't say they believed for it. Didn't say they stood and stood and believed and claimed it. 
<laughs> Keep reading. The people with one accord gave heed to what Philip is speaking. And they're also hearing and seeing things he's doing. Now he's not the miracle worker. He's not the healer. Jesus himself said, I can of my own self do nothing. Right? If that was true about the master, certainly true about Philip and anybody else. And yet, Jesus said and did things and miracles happened. Didn't he? And he said, the father in me, he's doing the works. (laughs) But he would speak. And he put mud in people's eyes and told them to wash it out. And Right? And he uh, touched a coffin and a man was raised from the dead. He said things and did things. And he said, if you believe on me, the works I do, you'll do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I go to my foot. In other words, if I stayed, they'd just keep getting bigger and greater and greater. But I'm going. But he showed us what to do. He gave us an example. I know a lot of the church world doesn't believe it. And they say, oh, no, 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 that's Jesus, you know, he could do that. And he gave some of that power to the apostle. But when the last apostle died, all that ceased. And where is that verse? That is people trying to explain why things didn't happen. No, 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 no. Jesus, as far as our substitute is in a category by himself, sinless, spotless, perfect. Nobody else could do or can add to what he has done. But where his ministry is concerned, he did that as an example, showing us what to do and how to do. And he told us to follow in his steps. He that says he abides in me, First John says, ought himself also so to walk, even as he did. Gifts of healings. Manifestations of the Spirit. Jesus ministered specific things. Remember that man at the uh, pool? And there's these five porches of sick folks. And he goes to that one man and ministers to him and leaves. Is that because healing is not for everybody? No. Because there are other times when he'd preach. Now how does faith come? And when they heard what he said, the Bible said as many as touched him got healed. Everybody that touched him got healed. Everybody he touched got healed. Didn't say he went to this guy and preached to him. He just said, will you be healed? And he didn't respond with a bunch of faith. He said, I don't have nobody (laughs) to help me out. He said, that sounds like a blues song, man, right? I mean, ain't got nobody. (laughs) Obviously, the Spirit of God directed him, and there was a manifestation of the Spirit for this one individual, right? Now, the rest of the folks could have been healed by faith. In a situation where they heard and believed, we see it many times, multitudes were healed. Right? But that's why there's been some confusion. People say, well, you know, the Lord healed that one, but it obviously wasn't his will to heal. Well, no, don't add to the scripture. He didn't say it wasn't his will to heal those folks. He said, I do what I see my father do. I say what I hear him say. 
Everybody say gifts of healings. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 6. Also, Matthew 8. Matthew 8 and 14. Jesus came to Peter's house and he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And verse 15. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered to them. This is the best use of a healing I know of. Right? <laughs> Luke, Dr. Luke, telling about this account, said she had a great fever. That means she was delirious. She was in a bad way. And Jesus, if you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account, you'll see Jesus spoke to the fever. Spoke to the fever. I remember years ago I read that and I thought, Jesus is not talking to Peter's mother-in-law. And he's not praying to the father. He's talking to a fever. And I just sat back in my chair and I thought, can a fever hear? And I read the next phrase. It said, and it left her. I thought, yep. (laughs) Fevers can hear. And then I got a revelation. I thought, if fevers can hear, high blood pressure can hear. Tumors can hear. Come on, are you listening to me? Infection and inflammation can hear. And you know, this is how Jesus operated. Man, he spoke. To the wind, to the waves. He spoke to trees, didn't he? He spoke to fevers. Glory to God. When he ministered to Peter's mother-in-law, she's out of her head, I guess, delirious with fever in a bad way, maybe at death's door. And just like that, she sits up, wipes off her brow, and looks at him and goes, Are y'all hungry? Jesus, you look hungry. You've been traveling all day. Baby, y'all go in there and sit down and come here and help me. And she got up and ministered to them. I think this is the best use of a healing. And from my small experience, also the best way to keep a healing. I've seen people have good things happen for them. Only not too much later to lose and regress when they had a few symptoms. And just because you have a few symptoms, people say, well, I thought I was healed, but but I don't know now. And I go, oh man, that's one of the worst things you could say and believe. That's just like opening the door and say, come back. No, when you've been healed, you ought to act like you've been healed. Get up. (laughs) Right? Get to it. <laughs> you know, I don't know if, how many of you heard uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin's testimony, how he was healed as a teenage boy on what would have been, was supposed to be his deathbed. He, uh, he tells the story about how he got light up on Mark eleven twenty four about what, whatever you need and desire. When you pray, believe you receive it. And so he acted on that and he said, I believe I received my healing. Well, he's paralyzed. 
laying in the bed. Doctors are giving him no hope. Said nobody in your condition to live past age 16. And so he was going just the way they said he would go. And so he's praying. He said, I, he struggled for months. And the Lord finally helped him to see something about what faith is. And so he's laying there now saying, I believe it. I believe it. I don't care what I see or feel. I believe that I received my healing. He said, the Lord spoke to him, not an audible voice, but inside him said, now you believe you're well. He said, I sure do. He said, well, people ought to be up this time of the day. <laughs> he thought, well, yeah. How many remember James says, faith without works is dead. He said he pushed his, uh, his legs because he had no feeling in them. He's paralyzed. He pushed his legs off the side of the bed. He said they fell and hit the floor like chunks of firewood. That's how he said it. Couldn't feel them. No strength. So he said he reached around and got the post of the bed and he held on and slid out of the bed and now he's sliding down the pole. <laughs> His knees are touching the floor almost. And he said, I believe I received my healing. I thank God I believe. And he said, man, just about time he said that, he said it felt like warm honey just piled up on the top of his head and begin to run down over his face and come down over the top of his body. He said when it got to his paralyzed legs, he said they begin to sting like you put a thousand needles in there. He said it hurt so bad, but it felt so good. <laughs> Feeling. And he began to stand on his own power and lift up his hand and begin to praise God and thank God. He said he was skin and bone, but he's standing there. And that's when he was healed. Glory to God. He went and put his clothes on. His family hadn't seen him. It was uh, breakfast time or late in the morning and, and hadn't seen him at the table for, I don't know, months and months and months. He walked in there dressed. Said his grandpa looked up and said, has Lazarus been raised from the dead? That's what he said. He said, yes, grandpa, the Lord has raised me up. And he told his grandma, well, set him a place at the table. And they sat down. And there were months that he had to stand. He talks about in his testimony how he was so weak and he was so thin and he didn't feel good and didn't feel like he could go to school. And he said it was so easy. He could have just crawled back into bed. And he said people made it too easy for him and said, you know, if you don't feel like coming, you don't have to come. And just, but friend, when you do that, you can yield to the problem. There are a lot of folks who could have been healed and gone on if they'd have just kept going, but they crawled back in the bed. Are you listening to me, friend? They crawled back in the bed and yielded to it and gave place and started talking death and defeat and lost what they had gained. How many remember the scripture where it talks about as they went, they were healed? Is there a principle there? There is. But you see that as soon as she's healed, what does she do? She gets up and uses her miracle, her blessing, her benefit to be a help to somebody. To be a blessing. You know, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Oh, what a great truth. What does that mean? If you are able to give, it says a lot about your position. Right? You're able to do it. You have it to give. 
You're not just blessed. You're more blessed. In the position. Of ministering. And doing. Go with me to 1 Corinthians please. The 6th chapter. I'm going to start in the ninth verse. And I'm going to read this to you out of the uh, Young's literal again. He said, have you not known, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Have you not known that the unrighteous, the reign of God shall not inherit? Be not led astray, neither whoremongers, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, the reign of God shall inherit. And certain of you were these. He's telling the people at the church of Corinth, a lot of you used to be this. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. You were declared righteous. I don't know, friends, it's not just what you used to be. It's what you are now. It's not just what you did. It's what you do afterwards. He went on to say, in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the spirit of our God, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not profitable. All things are lawful to me, but I will not be under the under authority of any. Now, obviously, there were people in the church saying, you know, we're under grace. Don't be trying to put us under any law. We can, you know, everything's lawful for us. And he said, well, but not everything is good. No, you're not under the law, you're under grace, but that doesn't mean it's okay to do everything. He just mentioned a list of stuff it's not okay to do. Verse 13, the meats, now meats is an old English word for food. If the word, when we say meat, we think like a steak or chicken or whatever. No, the King James would call that flesh. And the King James would call wheat and oats meat. I know it's a little confusing, but that's how it works. So when he says meats, he's just talking about foods. The foods are for the belly and the belly for the foods. But God, both this and these, shall make useless. And the body is not for whoredom, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. People say, well, God made me and he made me a... A man or a woman, he made, gave me a sex drive, he gave me this. No, we're, our body's not just made to be promiscuous. And our body's not just made to gorge yourself. Or to get drunk or high. Or, or just to seek some kind of pleasurable sensation. Our body is for the Lord. And the next phrase is very exciting. And the Lord... Is for the body. Sit out loud. The body. body. For the Lord. Lord. And the Lord. Lord. For the body. body. He said don't use your body for this. But use your body for this. In Romans 6. That whole half of that chapter. He said. uh, Let me paraphrase a little bit. You used to yield your body. As instruments of unrighteousness and sin. He said, but now you say, don't do that anymore. Yield your members to God to serve him. He said, if you yield to sin, you're a servant to sin. 
There's no such thing as being free to sin. It's a lie perpetuated by the enemy. Oh man, I don't go to church and get under all that bondage and I can't party anymore. Can't sleep around and get high or get drunk. And I got to be free. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey, but that ain't free. That ain't free. Free to sin is a lie. Because the scripture says, of whatever a man is overcome, of the same he's brought into bondage. The Lord didn't tell us not to sin, to spoil our party and spoil our fun. Sin has a price. The wages of sin is death. He's not trying to spoil our fun. He's trying to save us. Do you believe it, friends? There's death in all the things he mentioned previously. And we got through reading. The sexual promiscuity. There's death in it. I know everybody's got flesh. Everybody's got eyes. Anybody can have desires. But being promiscuous has no future. It's not innocent. People get hurt. People opening themselves up to each other emotionally and being physical when there's no relationship. People say, oh, it's harmless. It's, it's not harmless. People are getting hurt. And then you got conception. And then there's nobody that loves the child. Did you hear me? And you got abortion. And one thing after another. No. The Lord would spare us from all this. And you got people whose souls get intertwined from being so close physically. But then one or both of them never cared about the other. And so they just use them for a while and go to somebody else. And their heart's torn. The Lord would spare us from all this. Are you listening, saints? Not only that. It takes a toll on the body. Sin takes a toll on the body. Have you ever seen somebody that's lived a hard, sinful life? And maybe they're not all that old, but they look like they got a lot of miles on them. You might know what I'm talking about. Why? Because sin ages you prematurely. Everybody say, the body for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Let's keep reading. He said the body's for the Lord. The Lord for the body. Verse 14. God both the Lord did raise and will raise up. Us will raise up through his power. Have you not known that your bodies are members of Christ? I want you to touch your flesh. Did you know that this has been bought and paid for? By the blood of the Lamb and is an eternal part of the body of Christ. People say, oh, no, 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 Brother Keith, this old thing is going to die and it's going to be gone and I'm going to get a new body. No, this body is going to be changed. A lot of folk don't like that. Oh, no, I didn't. I want to get rid of this one. (laughs) I assure you, you'll be perfectly happy when the Lord gets through with it. But this is a lie that even some church folk have got. They say, well, it's just the body. It doesn't matter. God doesn't care about this body. He most certainly does. He bought it and paid for it. This body. This one. Keep reading. 
Know you, have you not known that your bodies are members of Christ? Having taken them the members of Christ, shall I make them members of an harlot? Let it be not. Have you not known that he that's joined to a harlot is one body? For they shall be, says he, the two for one flesh. Does it matter what we do with our body? It does. It does. It affects us spiritually. And you can't really talk about healing unless you talk about this too. I've always liked motorcycles. Still do. I know when I was a teenage boy, 12, 13, a lot of boys had pictures of girls, you know, out of the magazine up on their wall. I had a picture of a guy on a motorcycle with his hair blowing back like this. And I thought, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That is it. And after, you know, begging and pleading and working jobs right and left, and my dad and mom got me a brand new Honda 175 metal flake orange with chrome everything. Man, I thought I had arrived, buddy. I mean, I, and uh, I mean, it never got dirty. It never got dirty. I washed it like four times a week. And uh, finally, my mom came by one time out in the backyard and she said, son, you're going to rub all the paint off that thing. And I wanted, I, I thought, well, you know, the Lord's blessed me with this and I'm going to keep it nice. And I never abused it. Never. I didn't pop the clutch and do wheelies. I didn't do burnouts. I didn't, you know, I changed the oil and the motor. You could eat off of it anywhere. And I drove it just like it should be. Never over revved it. Never anything. And a buddy of mine (laughs) was wild. And he kept after me to drive my motorcycle. And I said, no, and we, we hung out some together, and I mean, he was, he thought he was evil Knievel, man. I mean, he'd do all kind of stuff, and, and he'd trash his regularly, but he was a pretty good mechanic, so he could put it back together. And, and so he kept saying, let me, let me drive that thing. I said, no, no, you trash my motorbike. He, he said, no, I won't, I won't. I, I promise I won't. I'll just, you know, I'll be, I'll be so easy with it, and I won't get it over 50 miles an hour. And, and I said, mm, right. And so week after week went by. Month after month. Finally, he pled with me. He said, you drove my stuff? I said, yeah, but I don't tear your stuff up. And he said, why would you let me ride your motorcycle? I thought we're friends. And this went on and on and on. Finally, I said, well, you know, you won't pop the clutch. And you won't, you know, do this. You won't do that. He said, no, no, I just want to just see how it drives. I said, okay. <laughs> what are you groaning about? He got on, started it so nice, and drove it around the corner, and drove it out of sight, and I heard it. He slammed it into the lowest gear and pegged it, and I heard rubber, and I, you know, and I heard the bike screaming at the highest RPM, and he, he just abused my bike. It's totally my fault. I said it was totally my fault. Why? Because see, all those months, I knew in my spirit. I knew don't do it. But I let him begging and pleading and 
trying to put me under condemnation and feel bad and all that. I let that override what I knew. So whose fault is it? It's my fault. And if you let somebody mislead you, whose fault was it? <laughs> this is going over big, man. Can you? Whoo! <laughs> They misled me and they told me wrong. You have a Bible. You have the Holy Spirit. You can pray. Come on, are you listening to me? You can ask and if you will, you can be led. And if you let somebody else lead you instead of him, it's not their fault. It's your fault. And we've got too many people who won't take responsibility for anything in their life. How many of the prison system is full of people that... Won't take responsibility. It's the cop's fault who arrested them. It's their buddy's fault. It was somebody else's fault. Always somebody else's fault. You'll never get anywhere with God. Unless you start taking responsibility. Why well, do I tell you that story? Because there's somebody else that wants to drive. All the time. It's the devil. He wants to drive. Your body. I said he wants to drive. And he's always trying to drive. Just take a spin. Just a little spin. We just get a little drunk. We just get a little promiscuous. We'll just. But friend. Our body was not made to sin. And it can't handle it. Did you hear me? Worry and fear. And sin will stress you. It will stress your immune system. It'll stress your nervous system. It'll stress you. It'll age you decades quicker. And if you're going to use your body and let the devil drive, you're going to have problems. How many of you can't just drink, drink, drink alcohol like a fish or stay drunk all the time for years? It's going to start catching up with you. Can't just do drugs. You can't just sleep with everybody and do every crazy and perverted thing. You keep doing it. You keep doing it. It's like taking a nice brand new Lexus and using it for a four wheel drive. <laughs> Running out through the swamp out here. Running over stumps and, and rocks. and It wasn't made for that. I said it wasn't made for that. And it'll destroy it. You got a beautiful machine. If you'd have treated it right, it could have lasted you for decades. But here you take it out in the swamp one afternoon. <laughs> you destroyed the suspension. You destroyed the wheels and tires. You ripped out the wiring. God's given us a wonderful, amazing machine, hasn't He? He didn't give it to us to let the devil drive, did He? Who's the body for? People say, well, it's my body. Not if you're a Christian. <laughs> it's my body. It's my business. What I do with my body. Not if you're a Christian. Are y'all with me, friends? Let's look at the text again. 1 Corinthians 6. Everybody there? How about the devil driving? Can you trust him? Even for a little while. Oh, you're dumb if you do. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. What? I mean, you can hear this, can't you? What? What? Look at the King James here. What? 
Don't you know? Your body is not the temple of sin. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Who's in you? I mean, none of you guys thought about bringing pigs in here in the sanctuary. Huh? Stinking this place up. Throwing a bunch of chicken fertilizer in here, stockpiling it over there in the corner, or a bunch of mud and trash, using this for a trash dispensary. No, no, you'd say, what's the house of God? Not really. It's a building where the house of God comes. You're the house of God. I'm the house of God. We're the temple of God. It's a lot more serious to abuse your body than it is this building. This building is the property of the Lord. It's his. We dedicate it to him. But it's just a temporary thing we use for a little while in this life. What your spirit is sitting in right now, looking at me through those two windows we call eyes, is a permanent part of the body of Christ. And one of these days it's going to be changed. Made incorruptible. Made immortal. But until then, how about from now till then? What about it? Friends, say it out loud. The body for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. If we do what Romans 12 says. And we present our body a living sacrifice to serve him with. You know, the Lord's blessed us with some nice cars along the way. Several years ago, I got a new uh, Corvette. Real nice. And the, uh, some of my neighbor boys kept coming around wanting to see the car. And uh, we, we were new to the neighborhood. And some of them said, you know, what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. They were shocked. So I quote a preacher need a car like that for I said, boys, this is a church-going Corvette. <laughs> they looked at me like they're shaking their heads. I said, boys, this Corvette's been to church so many times, it almost just turns the right direction when you, when you leave the house. <laughs> How many believe your body can be a God-serving body? What do you do with your eyes? My eyes are for God's use. What do you do with your hands? I don't slap people. I don't beat people. I don't hurt people. I lay hands on you and believe for you to be healed. Hmm? What do you do with your mouth and your tongue? I don't cuss people. I don't berate people. I'll bless you. I'll pray for you. I'll encourage you. Edify you. What do I do on my feet? I don't run away from my responsibilities. I don't run into evil. Say it out loud. My body is for the Lord. What's the next phrase? What if your body really is dedicated and committed to his service? Could that affect him being able to keep your body? Think about those who really did. People like Paul who completely committed his spirit, soul, and body to serving God. Did God keep his body? Man, he was bitten by poisonous vipers and the poison didn't even hurt him. He was stoned supposedly to death and just get back up and walk away. God sustained him and kept him and healed him. Oh, friends, the more you commit it to him, the more he's able to keep it. 
Now, if you're going to abuse it, you're going to let the devil drive, you're going to have problems. He runs it through the sin and cracks up some organs and messes up some nervous system and messes up this and that. Don't think that's the end. What you need to do, I don't care if you're over in the, in the ditch, in the swamp, upside down. Everything broke and leaking. You know what it's time to do? Call the Holy Ghost Record Service. <laughs> Say, oh Lord, you told me, you told me don't let the devil drive. You told me I should have listened to you. And here I am. But I'm crying out for mercy. I'm calling and asking you to help me. And I'm saying here, laying in my pain and my problems, Lord, if you'll heal me and help me out. I'm not trying to bargain with you. I'm just telling you, I'm making this commitment right here and now. I'll do like Peter's mother-in-law. You raise me up. I'm going to use what you give me to minister to your people and to your things. I'm going to say right now, before I'm ever fixed, my body is for you. And I'm going to say, and you are for my body. You got a body, and I got a healer. I give it to you, and you take care of it for me. This sound right to anybody in here tonight. I want you to stand on your feet. Oh, thank you, Lord. What's this got to do with gifts of healing? Healings. A lot. These manifestations of the Spirit we've been talking about are mercy manifestations. So many times you see where they're manifested. People didn't know about God. They were in a bad way, in bad shape. The Lord didn't owe them any of this. They weren't in a place to necessarily stand and believe but the Lord gave them some special things I've been in numerous services like the one tonight where we stood up and asked God for these things did he say covet earnestly these things and we've seen repeatedly where the Lord did special things and heal people deliver people restore people I had this in my heart as I waited on him and sought him today. Preach this. And then us stand up. And those that really mean it say, Lord, I'm going to quit letting the devil drive. Hmm? And I'm going to say, here, Lord, my body's for you. For service for you. And then ask him to fix it for us. Even if we've done dumb stuff, even if we've messed up. Even if some things are our own fault or we don't know why. It doesn't matter. God's merciful. And he's a good, good healer. Do you believe it, saints? Hallelujah. Just close your eyes. Focus on him. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, just lift up your hands. Lift up your voices. Tell him that you believe in him. Tell him that you're thankful. Oh, Lord, we believe you are the great I am. The great I am, the Lord, that heals you. You never changed. You're not going to. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead and lift your voice, saints. Tell him out loud for yourself. Nobody else can do your praise. And tell him that you believe in him. 
Tell him that you trust him. You know he's a healer. You believe there's nothing too hard for him. Nothing he can't change. Nothing he can't fix. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.